welcome to the GMC podcast, a place where you can find sermons and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. The podcast brings you the final series of teaching from St. Paul's letter to the Roman Church as we look through the text of chapters 12 through 16. We will be challenged to understand what a church shaped by grace should look like for us all today. Previous series in Romans have looked at coming under grace in chapters 1 through 4, living under grace in chapters 5 through 8, and in chapters 9 through 11 we considered the overflow of grace, which can be found in our sermon archives at the GMC website gillespiechurch.org by searching under the sermon categories for Romans. But before the wisdom from God's word today, We'll take a moment in a short time of prayer. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we are so conscious that the best that this world can supply leaves us still unfulfilled, unsatisfied, still restless. Father, deep down there's a longing within us to be filled. And we know that there is no real satisfaction in the things of this world. Nothing, no one but the Lord Jesus can satisfy our deepest longings and needs. And every taste that we have, Father, of the things of Jesus just whets our appetite for more. And so our prayer now is, Father, we would see Jesus. We know that when he walked here on earth, his life was all grace and beauty. His patient love was seen in every aspect of his life, even in the face of the hatred and the insults and the rejection of his enemies and in the unfaithfulness of his friends. Yet he never wearied of loving and forgiving. And our gracious God, seeing him like that, we become so aware of how unlike him we are, how far short we are of your desire and your will for us. Oh, do forgive us, Lord, we pray. And as we confess our shortcomings and our faults, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would take full control of our lives, that you would change us and make, make us more like him each day. So, Almighty God, do forgive, we pray, our rebellions, our resentments, our moods of despair, Father, we know that we should accept what cannot be altered, but instead we often rebel, thinking, if only this or that could have been or were to be altered, how happy life would have been or would still be. And yet, though we hate the dark times and fears often grip us, Father, and though we love to be in good spirits and good health and to have success and enjoy fun with friends, we know that we've learned more in the darkness than we have in the light. 
We've been held closer to yourself by moments of unhappiness and pain, more than by times of well-being. Oh, teach us to humble ourselves, to accept, to be patient, to be disciplined, to suffer with our self-pity and despair and gloom, remembering that suffering passes. But what's learned through suffering is treasure forevermore. In other words, Lord, though everything goes wrong and we're deprived of all the outward things on which we depend, you are and always will be love and power and peace and everything that we need. So give us now, we pray, hearts to love like Jesus. Hearts, O oh Lord, to grieve far more for the sins of others than for the wrongs that we receive from them. And by your grace, may Jesus be seen by others in us. And by your grace, bring others to Jesus through us, we pray. As we wait now upon you, gracious Lord, do please draw near to us, to each and every one of us. Speak your words to us and meet our every need. In Jesus' name, amen. You hear in today's word from God and in the sermon challenges you, maybe raising questions, and you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith or maybe how you might like to support GMC in our ministry for the kingdom, then please contact us through our website, gillespiechurch.org. Now, over to our preacher. Father, you call us to the cross to repent to bring our frailness, our brokenness before the cross. Father, thank you. Thank you as we come to your word this morning. Thank you. Let's have our reading. Romans 12, 9 through to the end of chapter 12. Hear the word of God. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, 
It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. We praise his name, giving him all the glory. Father, be with us in the meditations of your word now. Bring us your truth. Stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. What is love? That's a question I hope a lot of you should be able to answer. We've just spent the entire summer in a series called The Summer of Love. And we heard in that from 1 Corinthians that love, the attributes of love, are patience and kindness, not being envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rather rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things, hopes and endures all things. And then the closing of that series was love never ends. But what is love? What must love be to mean anything? Yeah, I've, I've preached on, along with others, on those attributes of love. I've just reeled them off. And of course, there are more attributes to love. But if love is to be anything, to do anything, to achieve anything, then it must be one thing. Genuine. And Paul starts today's passage by saying, love must be sincere. Other words mean, have similar meanings. It must be sincere, genuine, honest, truthful, heartfelt, open, authentic. And so this morning, I want to ask us as a church what it would look like for us to be a church shaped by grace, working in the world with such genuine love. Love must be sincere. That word translated as sincere or genuine literally means unhypocritical. Love must be unhypocritical. And that kind of does pose a problem for us human beings. For how can we love somebody we don't really love or we don't like? Do you see the problem there? If God commands that I love someone that I don't really like, my loving them surely is unhypocritical. Sorry, hypocritical. But that, that analogy only works if we equate love with feelings. If my feelings are that I don't like someone, then I can't love them if I want to remain sincere to love. But Paul isn't writing about emotional feelings of love. He's writing about action of love. Love for Paul is more about what you do than how you feel. The Acts 2 church 
was about serving others in love rather than having warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. You know, I love you. You're cool. You make me feel warm inside. Do you know it's more than possible as Christians to serve in love towards those for whom we don't feel love? In fact, I'd wager, not that I am a betting man, but I'd wager that perhaps we might find as we move forward in serving in love that genuine love, care, compassion for the other is then born into reality. We start to like them. Because if we waited until our motives were pure and right, that we loved them before we served them, we'd never serve them. We might never, ever begin that journey. So if you leave this morning with one thought, let it be this, that we are not only to love our fellow Christians, yes, that's a given. That's a given. If you've come to faith in Jesus, you're expected to love one another, no questions. Look around you. Look at the people in this building. Do you love the person you're sat next to? I mean, David sat next to his wife. I hope the answer's yes, and Tom and Judith. (laughs) But look at the people behind you and around you, seated in this church. And know this, God expects you to love one another. But the imperative for the Christian of love goes further. It says that that love for our brothers and sisters in the church overflows to others out with our church, outside of our families, outside of our church family. Love with a love that is sincere in all you do. That's the beginning of our reading. And so the rest of the reading... At first glance, it appears to be a passage full of a random collection of good sayings. They're all quite short. And do you know, as I was reading them, I thought, these are some good endings to finish off a sermon with. Paul's written a a bunch of good, pithy, short sayings that I could leave with you. Go, as congregation, out into the world with this message or that message. But they're actually more than a random collection of good advice. There is structure to the passage. Of course, verse 9 and 21 are the beginning and end of this passage. But there's also a verse in the middle, verse 17, that reinforces the message. The theme, if you like. Verse 9, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In the middle, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then to close out the passage, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil and good. They're almost those attractional opposites we find in our lives. Let's face it, we see good and evil acted out in the world. It's in narrative of fiction writing. It's in TV and film. Good, overcoming the bad, whether it's in a Marvel movie or a Star Wars or or whatever. But it happens in real life too. Conflicts and wars of humanity. And it would be a cheap and easy throwaway line 
to just equate Christians with good and anything else is bad or evil. Because actually we know there is bad and evil things that occur in the church as well as outside. And there is good done in the name of no religion also. To tidily separate good and evil is kind of impossible. Good and bad behavior occurs throughout all humanity, through us all, whether churched or unchurched. So an ethic of Christian love is something other than just being good and compassionate. It's more than that. Christian love is an obligation through grace to let the love that flourishes in a fellowship of faith that flourishes in the church to then flow towards those outside of the faith. Church should never adopt an attitude of Freemasonry of looking after your own. We care for one another, but we care for those outside too. Christian love hates evil treatment of others and instead holds positively to the good or right treatment of others without regard to nationality or skin colour, sex or any other defining characteristic of people. But love does start in the community of faith. Devotion to one another. I said a few minutes ago, look around. Do you love your neighbour here? Devotion to one another in love, honouring one another above ourselves, Paul says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. It's not a competition. It's not, you don't want it to end up being trying to outdo each other in honouring one another. But rather it is compelling, it's a compelling call to honour, to place oneself before others in our community of Jesus followers. So quick question, when did you last give devoted time to your brother and sister in the church? I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not. That question isn't there to place any guilt upon anybody or even for you to tell me. But it's a question to say and go away and pray about thinking, how am I serving my brothers and sisters at Gillespie? Am I doing it well? Am I honouring and loving them? What could I be doing that I am not doing? For if we are to have, it says there, spiritual fervour, a zeal to our attitude to serve, that only comes from a union with Christ. This is why love of church could overflow out, because it is from the union of Christ that we have in church. To be in Christ, as we say. We serve Jesus by serving others. How? Well, how? (laughs) That's not always easy to answer. How? For we live in a broken world. There's so much we need to do to love and serve. We heard David's prayers, his intercessions. Haiti, Afghanistan. I mean... It's overwhelming at times that I think it ends up with us being frozen, going, it's too big, Lord. 
There's grief and loss, brokenness in homes, in relationships, in jobs, finance, wealth, health, well-being. Brokenness through all of it. Yet, the supernatural gathering of Christ followers is called to something. It's called to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And you go, wow, that's hard. To serve in joy, patience, and prayer? But we can know joy. We can know joy even in the affliction of our own problems or others' issues. Because we know first came the death of Christ. He died for us. Knowing his death freed you from sin and that he sent Holy Spirit should, should, if you allow him, pour the assurance of love deep into your hearts. Joy. But patience as well. Patience is also perseverance, persistence, it's endurance. To have patient endurance, to have joy in the realm of church is only possible if the body of Christ is faithful in prayer. Prayer, it's about being a community that every day says, not only says it, but means it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's a community that cries out time and again, daily, come Jesus, Lord Jesus, come. Faithful prayer leads to loving service in the Lord. So another question to go home and ask, are we praying? I'll be honest. Since coming to Gillespie as your minister, three and, well, it's heading up to four years ago, isn't it? I have spoken a lot about prayer. And this season, this summer, I've been asking God, what's the response? I mean, right at the beginning, I came and was ordained at the end of October. We had a couple of services. Then we were into Advent and in the beginning of 2018, I preached a series on developing a servant heart and that was followed by the power of prayer. And I know we've had the pandemic to deal with in the last year and a half that's kept us away. But I've been praying to God in this last season of the last few months going, where is the prayer? Why I asked you, and this is my perception, the people of Gillespie not want to gather and pray together for the Lord, with the Lord. Why? It's not, I'm not here casting aspersions on your own daily devotional life and prayer life. Your own time spent at home, and that's super important. Well, we've had a prayer group going on a Thursday since I came here. It was started before I came here. It was started, I believe, praying for someone who was struggling and suffering and ended up dying from cancer, Stella. And they were also asked to pray during the vacancy. And then we continued it, and it met in a home, and then we moved it to the church, and then we moved it online. Has it grown? Not really. Have a few people come onto it? Yes. Have some people stopped coming? Yes. Pains me. I've been questioning the Lord about this for the last few months. Where, Lord, are you calling? 
I've been asking him as we come back out of the pandemic, Lord, where are you calling me to lead this church? And I've heard three things. Worship and prayer. I know that's only two. I'll get to the third. (laughs) Worship. If God's people are anything, they are a worshipping community. Worshipping him daily in your life, in your lived life. But we gather to worship as well. Be faithful in prayer. God's people are a praying people. We want God working in our church. We need to be gathering to pray. The third one. Somebody spoke a word to me this last week. I visited somebody who has a prophetic ability. And they said to me, you have somebody and you need to serve and sow into them. And that person is Lee. The three callings on my ministry time at the moment this coming season are worship and prayer and young people and serving Lee and sowing into him. But undergirding everything has to be prayer. Tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., I don't expect you all to come. I know people, for varying reasons, are not up at that time of the morning. I know somebody who's up much earlier than that in the morning. And I will struggle to be here for seven. But I feel it, certainly for how long it will run, I don't know. But I'm going to, the beginning of the week, we're going to gather, I'm going to open up here, and we're going to have prayer for an hour, seven till eight, every Monday morning in the sanctuary. Join me if you want. You can't make it here. Put time aside in your day to prayer, but also consider joining our Thursday. It's currently on Zoom. I need to talk, speak to the people who are coming. I would like it back in the church. We will seek God. We will cry for his guiding. We will cry that he gifts us with all that we need. We will cry for his provision for his church. And why? That we may love that we may truly be a loving church that loves one another and that we go and serve in his love. For know this, we are a people who need to serve and be served. So let's do it among one another. Give your time to listen or share a cuppa with a sister or brother from Gillespie. If you need to offload, if you're struggling, call somebody. Speak to somebody in church. Build relationships with one another. I'm not saying that the relationships aren't there. I'm sure stuff is going on among our community that I don't know, I don't hear about, I don't see. But let's do more. The church doesn't need to provide the space for you. You can do it. We have space and amenity here. But do it. Call someone. Say hello to somebody after church today who you don't know. You don't really know them. You see them week by week or year by year, but you don't really know them. We've got new people in our church visiting. We've had a number of visitors over the summer. People who've just been in Dunfermline for whatever reason. There was somebody visiting. uh, A girl and her husband had moved here and mum and dad were through and they came to church one day. I know it's been difficult with COVID and it still kind of is. So we need to be careful, yes, but go and love one another through your hospitality. It says there, practice hospitality. In our church, we are surrounded by need. And we need to meet that need by grace. And then be eager to meet the needs of others. 
as we are able and as we are gifted. Right, off my hobby horse. But what about those outside of the faith, outside the wall of our Christian community? What about those who oppose us? Instinctively, maybe the first reaction is to push aside, curse those who curse us. And we see that all the time. That's how feuds escalate into conflict, and conflict escalates into war. But Christians are not called to that. We're not called to go down that path. The one we follow said while nailed to the cross, dying for your sin and my sin, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Jesus taught, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate us. Bless those who curse us. Pray for those who ill-treat us. That's a big ask, isn't it? That's tough. And do you know, that's where love truly needs to be sincere, to be genuine, to be able to do that. A church sincere in its love will share in success and disappointment. To mourn with those who are struggling and rejoice with those celebrating success. Sometimes it's easier to mourn with people, do you know that? Because you look at them and you think, oh, there but for the grace of God go I. You can, you can wrap your arm around somebody and mourn with them because you might be able to be empathetic, but oh, do you walk away going, oh, thankfully I'm not going through that. But to rejoice with somebody who's having joy and success, I think humanly that may be a bit harder. You kind of look go, wish I was getting that level of joy and success in my life but we're called to bo do both mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who are rejoicing lee spoke eloquently earlier about the launch of our youth outreach open house so we should be celebrating we should be celebrating with those who came on friday we should be praying for them this week we should pray for all our young people who came on Friday, those who will come in the future. We should pray for leadership, for sharing, for story. We should be praying and celebrating success. And know that amongst the joy and fun, there will also be pain and suffering. We are a people who rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who are mourning. And when we do this, when we share story, when we come together, when we love, it brings us into one body, harmonious. In verse 16, there is that call to live in harmony, to not be proud. I think we should have moved on, Jack. Should we? Yeah, 16. Well, the pride thing, it's a given that followers of Christ should not be proud. We should live without conceit and we should be able to associate with those outside of our natural station in life. All that's challenging. The challenging because naturally we don't associate with those who we fear, we don't love. Quite often we want to 
be associating with those who are successful maybe or they don't have troubles because they don't demand of our time and energy. It's great and easy to hang out with somebody who's got it all sorted. But by grace, we should be looking out for the difficult, the demanding, the troubled and broken who drain us and from which we apparently feel we're getting little back. And how do we do it? We do it by the towering doctrines of the first 11 chapters of Romans. Grace. Grace was taught as... It's a pillar. It's like these pillars in this church holding up our balcony. Pride is humbled by grace. And to shape a church to live in harmony under grace that serves by love, that is the goal. The closing verses, we're getting near there. These verses 17 through 21 bring these themes of love and service, grace, hospitality out to the wider society in the way of the first verse, good and evil, the eternal battle. I mean, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Think in your lives where you might have suffered at the hands of someone, so to speak. How did you react? Have you ever sought revenge? Get in your own back? Attempted to take things into your own hands when you were treated unfairly? How did it go? I know in my life it hasn't worked. Trying to sort out my own affairs. Human justice at heart is always skewed. It's always unfair and biased because we're biased. Human justice is not true justice at all. And this is saying for Christians, justice is not ours to seek. What is ours to seek, though, is to be a role of peacemaker. As much as it depends on us, as much as we can do that, we can see conflict around us. As I've said, it happens in church. You might know conflict close by in your own families. It might be in the workplace. We certainly see it in the nation. But the one thing conflict should be, it should be in spite of us rather than because of us, because of us as Christians. We won't be able to rid the world of conflict, but we should not pour fuel on the fire. It should be in spite of us rather than because of us. So the only way evil is overcome is by good, by righteousness. We need to leave room for God. Justice is his prerogative. And next year, sorry, next year, next week, next Sunday, I will talk about the present age, civil authorities. Paul moves into discussing that next week in terms of justice. But in the here of today... Know that justice is God's. What is required of a Christian faced with opposition is to feed our oppressors if they're hungry, or for drink if thirsty. So in other words, to provide for their need. We're to meet others' hostility towards us with love, with compassion, with service. It might not always change people's hearts, but it may bring shame and embarrassment for their ways. Because 
If we choose to face hostility instead with further hostility, that's only going to end one way, escalation. That standoff is only going one way. But if you meet evil, if you meet resentment, if you meet uh, opposition with love, you cut the legs off that opposition. So to conclude, Paul closed, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's within that setting, the setting of sincere, genuine love, a love that seeks to serve one another in the church and serve those outside. That is how our faith is shown. It's a love that holds close to Christ. It's a love that doesn't deny Christ and salvation. It's a love that acknowledges his saving grace. And it becomes then a love in action that will see us be good neighbours. Kind, respectful, listening, blessing. That's what we need to be in our community. So I just ask, will you pray for that this week? Will you pray for God's guidance this week? And when you're praying, listen. Praying isn't just about a list. Probably teaching you to suck eggs here. But as much of prayer is about speaking to God, it is also listening to God. So pray for his guidance in this this week for, for Gillespie, for yourselves, for our church. And listen to what he has to say to you. Because my prayer is that we will be a church where love is sincere and genuine in all that we do with one another and outside. And if you hear him speaking to you, share it with your brothers and sisters. Call me, let me know what he's saying. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GMC podcast from Gillespie Memorial Church in Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website gillespiechurch.org and also search for us on YouTube and Facebook. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page of our website or by calling the office. This has been a production of the GMC team, including our pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the contributors and producers of this podcast. Thanks for listening and God bless.